0: Welcome to the first mini sode of King of the Show. Mini Sode! Welcome back. It's time. Yeah. It's time for the first mini sode. That's right. It's time to phone it in already. It's time to phone it in because we're out of content. Yes. We promised you new content weekly and new content you shall get. But what kind of content that is, is yet to be seen. Yeah, this is why you read the fine print. That's right. That's why you should read the episode description and see that we are, in fact, two lower life forms that yes. are trying to shill each other on things that we like. Yeah. Right, right. What and is a mini-sode, so- Chris?
1: Explain well, that. <laughs> that. Cough well, it up. Scott,
0: well, Scott, you see, a mini-sode Is a platform for us to get together and talk about shit that we like and shill it, but maybe not try to convince the other person to like it, too, for whatever reason. Maybe the other person already likes it. Maybe we know that the other person's not just just flat out not going to be into it. Like there's no there's no world on Earth where I'm going to shill you to get back into destiny, too. Is there? No. Sorry. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Tried that. Been there. Done that didn't go over uh as well as i had hoped but yeah that's what the mini sort of platform is for you know as you may or may not be used to our format at this point our shills are typically based around a vertical slice of a specific uh, piece of content um and we're not going to be doing that here today this is just a little bit more topical and conversational but still a way for us to get on here and just shill for some shit
1: right yeah just have a good time talking about stuff that We would normally cover anyway and just have it more in a freeform kind of discussion, not worrying about trying to get a vertical slice or worrying about what the other person thinks. Just kind of talking about what we're doing and what we're interested in. And I know you're passionate about today's topic. We kind of talked about it a little bit already.
0: (laughs) Yeah, actually, um, I am super fucking into hentai. Yes, that's not what we're talking about here today. <laughs> not yet. I am too, <laughs> not yet. but
1: we'll, we'll get yeah. there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. No. Yeah. Um. Actually, um. There's a couple things that that we wanted to bring up here today and talk about and and chill on. But first and foremost, I think that that I just want to say personally, Scott, that I hope everybody
1: really enjoyed Star Trek: The Next Generation. Me too. I really hope they did. Uh, uh listening back on it. It was a little rough, I'll say, Uh, but, you know, I, I, I really like that show and I hope I got across not only to you, but to everyone, why I like it and why it's something that I think is worth watching. But yeah, man, it
0: I mean, from a personal note, like I'm still watching that show frequently. Yeah, it is the television show that I put on whenever I'm by myself and I'm just looking for a show to watch for whatever reason, whether I'm you know killing time or whether i'm in a video game grinding some shit out for my weeklies and dailies or whatever it has really just sort of become the centrifugal television show that i watch whenever i want to watch something so as of right now believe it or not scott it has taken the place of various professional wrestling matches. Ooh, wow <laughs> yeah man i'm i gotta say i uh i fucking love some of the more like weirder and jankier episodes that mm-hmm. you sort of halfway prepared me for. Um, and I alluded to this one episode on, on the show on our two parter, but, uh, I want to, <laughs> I want to bring it back to discussion today cause it tickles me so much, but the fucking Sherlock Holmes episode. Oh yeah. Oh, it's man. a good episode, man. It's yeah, just fun. Dude. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, it's the other thing too, where it's like, um, uh, you know, it's a sentient AI, which is something that I that, that that I pop for all the time. It ends up being this like, you know, sentient version of Moriarty that's in this simulation that becomes self aware, you know what I mean? And it's like yeah. um it's a little bit of a of a ham fisted way that they get there, but it's really unique in that um he doesn't just develop sentience and an understanding that he exists. But he also begins to develop desires, yeah. which is like something that's not really common in that space of storytelling, you know?
1: Yeah, it's it, I mean, that's part of the 80s mentality coming out, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's just this thing of it, because they were so unconstrained in so many ways from trying to adhere to the common conception of the technology at the time, it, it gets really fanciful which it, in itself can kind of informs technology on our side, right? Like, yeah. it, VR isn't just Tron. It's not just grids. It's like you can smell and touch everything. If you're Riker, you can have probably alluded to sex with <laughs> people on the holodeck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's this weird, like... Uh, it's a combination of gene roddenberry being a weird old pervert and everybody else is having this like super awesome imagination of like man i could really do anything in here yeah and that that kind of stuff like with the moriarty thing it's like well, what if a machine could feel man? yeah like
0: uh-huh. yeah but well, I, I think for Riker, it's more like you know i'd computer, please pull up a simulation full of chairs that I can sit down in awkwardly.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, which was a video that um, uh, a good friend of mine, Tom, shared in one of our uh, Discord channels the other day of just this super cut of, oh, of yeah. Riker uh, doing the weird, like old man split legged walk over the chair to sit down thing. And it's not even like, a, oh, here are these two or three times that he did it. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, it's it's it- a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of weird formulaic repeating things about that show too. I'm, I've seen a lot of supercuts of things that I never noticed watching it. It's oh yeah, come. and it, uh, him explaining things too. <laughs> no, the the come supercut. Oh come. yeah, come 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 come. 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 Yeah, <laughs> there.
0: Uh, that's the one thing that I love about Star Trek: The Next Generation is there's no shortage of
1: come. Yes, lots of come. Mm. from many different people from picard to many different people (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh i i
0: love i love the weird sort of monster of the week shit that they do um and like uh and some of the more like out there episodes like the sherlock uh, as well
1: but um you powered through season one too right no i skipped season okay thank god Because that's that's half the thing. Like, I I thought you started on season one for some reason. And I was like, (laughs) no, man, he's got like fortitude. I I can't even (laughs) watch some of that crap.
0: No, no, I uh, I skipped season one, partly because like where we launched on in the slice was in Mm -hmm. season two. So I had gotten into this like, okay, I've seen an episode of season two. I really liked it. I am probably going to be game for the rest of season two. But I've heard horror stories about season one. And you've told me things about season one that I was just kind of like, mm, I think I can probably get away with skipping this and reading the cliff notes if it really matters. Yeah. But I get the feeling that like at some point <laughs> in season five, things that happened in season one
1: probably aren't going to matter. Well, so really the only thing that I think even matters at all about season one is they meet and Tasha Yar was on the ship and that was about it. Like, yeah, right. And then and, and,
0: like, yeah. And like you said on the, on, on the show. You know, it's it's a syndicated television show, yeah. right? There's going to be a lot of shit. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. so, you know, there's a lot of shows like that that have a season one that, you know, people skip a lot of time, you know, uh, it in keeping with sort of lightly keeping with themes of things that I'm just flat out never going to show you on. I I don't I don't ever watch the first season of The Office yeah. for that reason, mm-hmm. because it's very stylistically new, right? They did a lot of things in season one of the of the United States office that um, that aren't in the subsequent seasons, really, from like a stylistic approach, from a Mm -hmm. trophy approach. Um, And there was there's a really good take uh, not to get too far down this tangent, but there's a really good take that I saw that I think also applies to the next generation in this space. Um, From a uh, content creator on YouTube that goes by the handle nerdwriter one when he talks about the office um, where he says that they really sort of tried to ape what was successful about the British office Mm -hmm. in that uh, David Brent, the main character that Ricky Gervais plays is kind of just like this non relenting asshole yeah. Right where he doesn't really learn anything and there might be some micro moments where that happens, but overall he's just kind of like an asshole that's an asshole, but you find some things to love about him. Mm-hmm. Whereas like with Michael Scott, he has these learning lessons
1: that he's show. A, Michael Scott is a Karen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's For not sure. that Somebody loves every Karen. You know what I mean? Like some, every right. Karen has children, but yeah. it's just that they're so fucking obnoxious you know what i mean like <laughs> like god well, just shut up you know what i mean like, well yeah
0: well for sure but like on top of that too you have these moments of um
1: like i've seen know, the Mike, thing of him buying the art the yeah, gun, yeah yeah like there's
0: that and then but then there's also these things of like when it comes when it, when push comes to shove and it's ooh. time for michael scott to do his job he's actually really a, great salesman mm-hmm. and a really great manager at the end of the day mm-hmm. and so they they, they that all so what you mentioned and that sort of coalesces into this thing where they they give Michael Scott a high note to end with more often than they don't whereas you know the comparison to David Brent and the UK office is that you know very often there's not that he's just yeah. he is that piece of shit that you think he is mm-hmm. <laughs> you know there's not this great overall learning moment and i think for star trek because i went back and i you know i didn't just not watch season one right i was like i'm gonna go and i'm gonna peruse a little bit but you can kind of see where they were sort of just in that mode of they it wasn't the next generation yet you know so um but yeah in those subsequent seasons uh you know i'm on i'm on season four Ooh. and it's 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 just flying yeah you're at peak I, trek uh, now i'm interested yeah. to
1: see too by the end of the show what you think and if you're ever going to tackle like ds9 and beyond that's where i am right now is ds9 so one thing that you mentioned that i thought was and i'm we're off of star
0: trek after this because we're, yeah. we're not yeah. exclusively a star trek podcast yet but um the uh the uh, uh battle of um wolf knight Thank Uh-oh. you. The battle of the battle of Wolf Nine, I think you mentioned, is in yep. DS Nine. So that that has a small hook in me where it's like, oh, I'd really like to see, I'd really like to see that, yeah, and not even necessarily that, but just how the other characters reacted to it, because I'm sure there's probably some dialogue of like, holy oh, yeah. fucking shit, they got Picard. <laughs> uh, the
1: first the first episode of DS Nine is pretty heavy. Like, oh yeah, oh uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a two parter too. Like with Netflix, it's weird because I can't tell what like. The original format of the thing was because I just kind of let it go for extended mm. periods of time but I'm pretty sure it's a two parter and it's pretty heavy. There's nice. a, there's immediate stakes from second one. So oh, cool. Yeah. So it's a it just DS9 DS9 is different from TNG. This is what I'll end it on. TNG is how many since seven TNG is 60% good, 20% great, and like a high level of good and 10% garbage. That's 90, 20 percent garbage. We got it. DS9 <laughs> is 30 percent great and 70 percent garbage. Mm. Like there. So it's there, but I, I wouldn't even say garbage because se- season one of TNG is garbage. It's mediocre, mediocre to poor. 30 yeah. percent great. Like some peak track kind of stuff. Right. 70 percent. Ugh. No, well,
0: duly noted, and I'll keep that in mind for when I get for when I get to to the point of deciding whether or not I want to watch Deep Space Nine or what. Um, uh, the the one uh, the one thing that does kind of interest me a little bit is, uh, uh, of course, I'm not going to fucking remember the title of the show now, but it's the one where it's like, oh, it's the first ship. Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. What's it called? Discovery.
1: Yeah, no, dis- Discovery's uh, well, the new one. Discovery's the new one, which it's not it can't be before enterprise so the first one is enterprise with yeah. captain scott archway scott bacula don't watch that
0: just don't. okay oh 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 that that is what it is enterprise yeah that's what i meant mm-hmm. so don't watch that Got don't it. watch okay it. all right Mm-mm. duly noted well hey anyway. maybe, maybe just deep space nine then yes <laughs> well
1: so <laughs> deep space nine maybe voyager but we'll maybe we'll talk voyager. about that sometime too anyway well you know what is
0: fucking really popping me though lately yeah um metro exodus
1: so yeah sell me up on this particular one because i did play the first two games and i like them i don't like remember them in vivid detail i remember like little parts and i know that exodus got like wide praise and i've Mm -hmm. seen a little bit of gameplay of it so it's like on my list but it's like with me and shooters it's like unless it's going to blow my mind it's not something i'm rushing to so you get to yeah, hit me up with this. What's what's been, what's
0: well, yeah, been interesting? So, I mean, you know, we are we are big games people. This will be uh belied several many thousand times. Um so uh when it comes to games, I've got very specific things that I like to be hit with from a motif perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Um I like a lot of I, th- I think my my favorite type of game from um like this is just me playing this game perspective is like uh like looter shooters right yeah it not necessarily shooters specifically but just any game where it's like you go out you kill the things and they give you things and then you become stronger right this mm-hmm. is why Destiny Two is like my ritual game and why I really like stuff like Diablo and and Path of Exile and and whatnot. So, um, my my personal taste is heavily influenced by a rewarding loop, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I like those types of games so much. Is because the loop itself is valuable. There's value in me going and sitting down and putting the time in because I get a tangible, substantial reward out of it. Now, my personal opinions on those rewards notwithstanding, the point is is that I typically gravitate towards a, a satisfying loop, something that I can sit down and just engage with for any given amount of time and feel like I walked away uh, feeling satisfied. This is really, really hard for me to feel with horror games. And it's not because I don't love horror games or games that are of that th- uh, thematic approach and motif, but it is because I think that horror games are mainly meant to do one and or two things, which is to challenge and to scare. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't really find enjoyment out of the, the uh, repeating the loop in say resident evil uh, two or three remakes, for example, of just running in and blowing zombies away to see how fast I can do it. It's fun, but it doesn't drive repeat engagement for me. Right. Mm -hmm. So what what I look for in a horror game from a first person shooter perspective, like Metro Exodus is, is that thing of what is going to keep me coming back to this beyond? I just want to finish it. Mm -hmm. Right. I never played the first two metros. Oh, okay. I had I had only ever seen them. I had no idea what they were like. I knew what they were about, and the concept interested me, but I was not, I didn't have a good knowledge base of Metro going into Exodus. So, like you, I had heard that it was really good. I had heard some, um, you know, sort of tangential details about it regarding uh, the style of play that it was and sort of what I could expect from minute-to-minute action and engagement. But what I was not prepared for was this really cool like little um, immersive package that sort of touches on a lot of the reasons that I not only love horror games and things with that satisfying uh, repeating loop, but also why I love things like emergent gameplay and immersive shooters and It even touches on some of the things that I love about when open worlds are done right. This is hitting a lot of those spots for me. And I think it's really, really, really fucking interesting, especially because I did not expect it. So. I guess the thing for me is, like, what were some of the things that you heard about Metro Exodus whenever it
1: was, whenever you were like learning about it? People were complimenting the level design from an open world perspective, but also like you were saying, I think they were trying to say that, like, some of the missions could be tackled in a more immersive sim-esque way than you would typically expect for a shooter. They were also praising the, I don't know, how, I don't know what to call it other than, like, the ambiance, right, but... The general package, like you're saying, that the levels and stuff were presented in like it's the it's the meme, the journo meme of this game makes you feel like Batman, (laughs) right? It's like it makes you feel like Artyom, but it's more the thing of. I, I think that what they were impressed by, at least all the talking heads that I had seen was that. It was less of being led along a corridor with a series of sliding picture shows and more about experiencing a world that felt grounded in the material. So I, yeah, I think that's a really good assessment um, of
0: just sort of the generic feel that you get whenever you step into the game um, and sort of approach it from like that perspective of like, okay, this is presenting me with an open world. What does that open world look like? This is presenting me with horror elements. What do do those horror elements look like? Survival elements, so on and so forth. This game is really interesting. And to give a little bit of backstory of the subject matter, um, it takes place in the 2030s after nuclear war has broken out. And uh, for the most part, the um, entire city of moscow has gone underground and has been living in the metro stations because the surface is far too dangerous from both an environment perspective from there being hot spots of radiation um and these ridiculously uh, you know like mutated monsters that are prowling all over the place um and uh and it also sort of has that danger of like there are other people so it touches on the walking dead trope of but what if it wasn't just zombies that you had to worry about right it touches on that there are humans here um and they're also going to have their own individual motivations so what does that look like so it's a very um sort of bleak setting that you're looking at and so you engage in a lot of bleak activities um that sort of center around
1: um It's distinctly Russian.
0: Yeah, it's right. Very it's very stalker.
1: It's very roadside picnic esque. Well, not not in its source material, but in its calm. How do I want to say this? It's not like a rejection of humanity, but it's its calm assessment of the bleakness of the human condition, yeah. basically, which is very Russian lit, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. And uh
0: and one thing that I that I really like about it the most is that. Um, it leans into that enough, but it doesn't lean into it to where it becomes, I'm playing the Russian game. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, you know where you are, you understand the surroundings that you're in and you get why people would be speaking to you in the manner that they are. And you get why the subject content that they're speaking about is relevant to them. Um, so it's cool that it leans into that because you get those like tangential, um, Sort of insert storylines of, oh, we found these people and it's just this mother and child and they're stranded. Oh, and Big Boss Man says we can't take them because we don't have enough room. But oh, this other guy has this idea and he says we can go get this other car. And now they've sent you to get that other car. So it sort of has that thing of, you know, I feel for these people and it plays on your emotions, but it doesn't ever make that the driving force, right? It doesn't ever make you feel like you are, um, You know, just the tip of the spear and just the errand boy, because they give Artyom, the main character that you play as, his own emotions, and he reacts to them as well um,
1: as you, the player, reacting to them as well. Yeah. So, like. And by the end of Last Light, he has, I think that's the name of the second game. Yeah. He has Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of stakes at hand, too, right? He's become kind of a leader in his own right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And
0: um, and so from a story perspective, it's really interesting for that reason. Um, I don't want to give away too much about it any further in case anybody wants to play it. But <clears throat> excuse me, the story hooks are very much there from the beginning. Um, what really sold me on this game is how it tackles the immersion meme. Right. Yeah. And the thing of saying it makes you feel like Spider-Man. You know, yeah. we, we sort of belie this meme a lot. But uh, I think it's a very misunderstood concept, immersion um, for you. What does that look like for you?
1: Immersion. Yeah, it's like very Im- hard to immerse me in a video game. game. Yeah, it's very hard to immerse me in a mm-hmm. game, period. Um, I don't play games under the assumption that I am me. I don't name my RPG characters myself. I don't um, get spooked by horror games that easily. I don't. Like immersion for me is a very hard target because ultimately, I think I engage with video games a little bit differently. Where it's not purely escapism for me, a lot of it is like kind of an art appreciation. Where it's like, yeah, I'm not when I'm playing. So I'm gonna talk about Persona Five in a little bit, right? I'm, I'm not yeah. when I'm playing Persona Five. It's not me, Scott, going on a journey with my buds, right? It's I want to I want to see the story of Persona five made by the team over at Atlas and have thoughts and feelings about it. So, yeah, when a game immerses me, though, and I'm going to talk about this with the stuff uh, I did this week, the concept of a flow state. So uh, I learned about this in a YouTuber, both of us really appreciate Corey Gaming. He brings up a. Guy named, I, I'm i going to butcher this guy's name, Mahali Six Mikhail, I think. Oh, my. <laughs> came up with this concept of a flow state, which is the state in which you can be totally concentrated on your work and totally fulfilled by it. It's basically high perceived skill and high perceived like right. energy and the proficiency. I love that fucking video. Yeah. It's so good. And I will get immersed in something when I can enter the flow state, when I can mm. like, okay. especially with like action games. Yeah in my Yeah, when I cease to use when when, when I bec- basically become all A-brain, right? Where it's like yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. thinking anymore, I'm just doing. Yeah. That's immersion for me. So Metro, I don't know if it would immerse me in the same way, but no. And and
0: but you're touching on exactly what I was hoping to get out of you there, which is immersion Isn't just this thing of we've mastered the way that Spider Man swings through the city, and when you do that, you yourself feel like you are swinging through the city, right? Yeah, that might be that might be fine for for one person or the next, but immersion is a really interesting topic because I think it is a trope that a lot of people fall back on when they want to describe a game as being good, but don't have anything to describe it with. Right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing. There's no meat there. It's just easy for them to be like, well, you know, you can get really immersed into the story. And I think that you can do that with anything, right? Like I have recently started reading Brandon Sanderson novels because my brother, Josh Branis, got me into them and I love them and they're incredible. When I read them, I feel like I'm standing next to the characters, right? I feel as though I can empathize with the way that they are feeling and the things that they are doing. And that immerses me, right? Right. When I can find something to grab onto and empathize with. So, why does Metro Exodus immerse me? Well, you see, there's something to be said about not being aware that you are playing a video game when you're playing a video game. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. this is similar to the flow state that you were talking yeah, about, right? It kind when of is yeah. when you are just when you are locked into the matrix. Right. Right. And you're there. So Metro achieved this for me in a very specific moment that, that I really want to wax about because it scared the absolute fucking shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. But um I don't do well with slightly off things. Yeah. Right? When something is clearly familiar but there is an abject unfamiliarity
1: to it touching on the uncanny valley like the like for me one of those types of things that always get me is like typically this is demonstrated on like angels but like things that have faces but not really faces like they're missing the eyes or the nose or the mouth or all the above that kind of shit always gets me so yeah yeah
0: yeah just like these familiar things with really obvious unfamiliarities and um one trope that I really like that Metro leans into is that, oh, and, you know, Fallout does this, too, with their scorpions. But like, oh, there's these creatures that were radiated. So naturally, they became the Hulk version of them. Yeah. So, you That's know. definitely
1: how that works. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, so Metro, the enemies that I've countered so far, have done this in two primary ways. Number one, what I believe are rats right mm-hmm. they kind of look i i thought they were squirrels at first because they sort of have buck teeth but i guess rat can have buck teeth too according to some of my friends and it's all about looking at the tail and how the tail is long and not bushy i don't know either way some kind of rodent that constantly comes and comes at and comes and tries to get at you whatever mm-hmm. there's also these like giant crustacean creatures that do this really cool thing that like when you're rowing a boat in a water mm-hmm. area they're just like hanging out on the uh on the shore and then they yeah. just like slink under under the water oh, and you're okay. like oh fuck oh yeah. <laughs> fuck is yeah. this gonna ah uh, is this gonna come up is this gonna is this gonna try to attack me and then they don't and you're like oh okay I guess that was all right and then you forget about them and then you get in the boat and you start rowing again and it's like surprise right yeah so they do these things right and that's cool and that's not specifically what I'm talking about what I'm talking about. Is the giant nuclear holocaust fruit bat that's that's hanging under this bridge that is coalesced in this moment for me that was just magic because I'm like stalking around I'm mm-hmm. low I'm crouched right I like stealth games a lot so if you give me an option to stealth even if it's really bad stealth I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it mm-hmm. right. Cause I love getting the drop on them. That's how I like to play my games. So I'm like stealthing around and that alone, right? You're, you're in like, it's dark. You're stealthing around. You're trying not to get seen by these monsters. That alone has sort of some kind of immersion to it because you're just trying to get from point A to point B without alerting the spooky guys. And, and I'm walking through this desolate, like industrial town with all of these, like, Ra- rail cars that are off of the tracks and they're stacked on top of each other and there's buildings that are that are toppled over and like I'm just feeling it and I go around this corner and there is just this huge <laughs> silhouette of this bat yeah like bat bat yeah. just hanging and sleeping from the bridge that I was next to. And this bridge is like a railroad bridge. So it's not like this little, like, it's not like a little, little, little bat hanging there. And it's like, Oh, it's so cute. You know, like, Oh, and he's going to get up and he's going to fly around a chimney. No, this was like, this bat will literally drive your car. If you let it, It is that big. Right. And what I love about that, because I turned tail and ran, right. (laughs) And I'll post a picture. I'll post a screenshot of it on the socials, but uh, so that, so that everybody can see it. But I was like, fuck that, right? Like, yeah. I wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like this surprise moment of like, ah, it's the bat. It wasn't like this this uh, it, it, this introduction moment where the game was like, hey, did you like those huge rodents? How about a big fucking bat? You know how like, and I know this isn't yeah. the, the same kind of game, but like how Borderlands, every time they introduce a new enemy, they stop and they put the name thing on there. And it's like, you know, Scott you know and it shows the big it's like this is who this is and you need to be afraid of them because of this reason or that reason or even something like doom eternal where it's like we've introduced this new enemy and we're going to give you a tutorial on how to fight him and we're going to pause the game and tell you how to do it and then we're going to let you do it and if you do it then they become you know part of the game again metro is just like You mean to tell me you didn't fucking think there was going to be giant bats? What's wrong with you, you dumbass? (laughs) You know what I mean? And I really like that it's this like moment of you should have considered this. You're scared by this. We've set the rules. There are giant rats. There are giant shrimp. Why wouldn't there be giant bats? (laughs) So I I really think it's like this, this cool little thing um about when you're not expecting something, right? And you're in that flow state and the game just decides to be itself. Yeah. That to me is immersion and I think that's really when horror wins
1: in games. Well, I'm really excited for you to see a little game called Silent Hill 2 because part of my favorite components of old horror games like one of my favorite games, Resident Evil uh, uh-huh. even the Resident Evil 2 remake. Right. A lot of the best horror, the dread horror for me. I don't think we well, you and I have talked about this and we'll talk about it again. I don't think jump scares are impressive. Right. They just right. trigger the natural biological like fight or flight response. Right. Yeah, that's a surprise. <laughs> if they're done well, they can be good. Um, but. Dread horror for me is opening the door and seeing the last thing you expect and it's not even a threat and it frightens you yeah it's it's opening the door and seeing an npc that you know to be dead but they're not dead right and they're not behaving the same way they should be right it's like right what (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: well yeah there and you say that and there's this moment that actually the heart that i harken back to from from exodus that um similarly i was like in a bandit area and i was like sneaking around and shit and uh i was going i was like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna sneak into this building here because this looks like it's unoccupied and i bet you there's some stuff in here and it was nighttime and i had my flashlight off because i didn't want to alert anybody and the, the pale moonlight was shining through this window and I, I, I almost rounded the corner and I almost turned into the doorway and I was like, oh, I oh, there's a, there's a shadow in there. So I backed out right real quick. And I was like, right. okay, there's a guy standing in here and I know that he can't see me. So I'm just going to move in slowly and then I'm going to take him out silently. That, mm-hmm. th- that was the thought process that I had. I moved in surgically as as surgically as I could and ran face first into the shadowy figure which did not move which I then turned my flashlight on to see what the fuck it actually was and it was a corpse hanging from a noose and yeah. it scared the shit out of me in that moment yeah. because I was just like ah yeah. <laughs> you know it yeah there there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff like that in this game um you know we've talked about a game a 2017 game called Prey before we really like the mimic mechanic of that mm-hmm. of that uh enemy where they're this like amorphous blob that can disguise themselves as anything in the level any inanimate object so you know they could jump out at you as a coffee mug or jump out at you as as a clipboard it's those kind of things where it sets the expectation and then subverts it very slightly yeah um that I, that i really like so the game is just game is really cool um it was it was on sale so I picked it up uh on steam it was kind of like one of those like you know well it's the right time now to to do to do this and I'm really glad that I did um there are a lot of other elements that I really like about it beyond just the the horror aspect but I thought that the really the, the the really salient thing that is just really you know hitting my strike zone right now was that was that moment with the bat. Yeah. Um, but a, an honorable mention I want to say for anybody out there that's listening that's like I also like the shoots. What about the shoots in this? Tell me about the shoots. How do I kill things? Um I like that they give you a set base of weapons and they might do this in the other games. I don't know if this is exclusive to Exodus, but um they set this up where they're like here are these weapons and you can go out and you can explore and you can find other weapons that have attachments. And you can take those attachments and put them on your weapons rather than just, you know, here's uh, yeah. you know, here's the new weapon. This is all that you use, right? There's a little bit of, there's some meaningful choices that they make you, that they make you make there. Yeah. I think that's uh, an exodus thing,
1: but yeah, yeah. And it, but you have like just realistically just a handful of like half a dozen or so weapons, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's kind of cool that they give you
0: a little bit of customization there as well. And, you um, you know, they make you make a lot of really meaningful choices in that area too, because you know, they, and, and they, they sort of, they let you figure that out on your own as well, which I really like. Um, you know, I came to learn that shotguns were not as good for humans and better for mutants, right? Yeah. Maybe rifles weren't as good for mutants because they're really fast, but they're better for humans. You know, they kind of let you explore that on your own. It's Really very cool. Um, I, I think it's great, so I, I, I will definitely be finishing that. So I'm sure I'll have some more updates along the way. But, but tell me, That's tell cool. me though, because I, I'm I'm so I'm so fucking
1: curious. Tell me about Persona Five Strikers. Okay, yeah. So my tale of this week is a tale of three parts. So coronavirus obviously is still going on. Developers are struggling yes and i view this as a good time to get through some of my backlog in addition oh, yeah. to playing the stuff that is still currently coming out so uh persona 5 strikers recently released i powered my way through that i am a big atlas rpg fan i have played every main t- main line shin megami tensei game i played a lot of the spinoffs offs okuzanoha and things like that devil uh soul summoners and uh uh, Strange Journey. I these are all atlas. All the Persona games. Yes. Yeah, so these are all first of all, these are all atlas games. Second of all, these are all in the Shin Megami Tensei umbrella. So Shin Megami Tensei. It's a very old NES era RPG series published right now by Atlas. It is the game that inspired Dragon Quest V Monster Collection, which in turn inspired Pokemon. This oh, game, there's a so theme this goes of deep. Yeah, this is that these games have a theme of collecting demons to fight with and are usually very brutal. They're very, uh, sometimes very difficult. They deal with very esoteric subject matters like uh, (laughs) like the Kabbalah and things like that. And like, (laughs) uh, yeah, a lot of religious iconography there. This is (laughs) probably the game that. that are. This is probably the game that originated the meme. I don't know if it's this or the much later Xenogears of like fighting against God at the end of the game, which spoilers you literally do in most of these. So uh, um, I really like Persona 5. Yeah, it is the most recent Persona game. It's probably the most popular. I don't know the numbers, but it's probably the most popular Shin Megami Tensei game ever released. So, uh, wait, real quick. Can we pause real quick? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. they are themselves
0: not Shin Megami Tensei games?
1: The full title, they don't release them this way anymore because nobody cares, is Shin Megami Tensei Persona 5. Oh, no shit. Yeah. So So it is a Shin Megami Tensei game. If I go to my rack behind me and pick up Persona 3 FES, it will say on the title, Shin Megami Tensei Persona 3. Interesting. So they are... Shin Megami Tensei is a brand that has its own mainline games. Yeah. Just like you would say Mario 64 is a mainline Mario game. And then it's a little bit different because they're all RPGs for the most part. But then there's like Mario Tennis kind of spinoffs. Mario Kart, Mario, whatever. Right. Shin Megami Tensei is the brand. And then they have spinoff series. So Raido Kuzunoha is a blend of a JRPG. And somewhat of an action RPG, kind of into the Onimusha style. I guess Oh, sick. I don't even know if that's really a fair a comparison, but it's half action RPG, half full RPG. Right. Uh, there's games like Strange Journey, which are uh, rips off. Uh, I think the game series is called like Etrian Odyssey, which is like a popular game subtype in Japan of dungeon crawling specifically. Right. Uh, there's Persona, which are a combination of. Basically dating sim components, sometimes literally dating, sometimes just making friendships, this idea of a social link and yeah. a full blown JRPG. So they have all these kind of spinoff ideas. Persona 5. It's not the most recent. I can't remember the timing of it. It's either it's one of the most recent like atlas chronologically RPGs or IRL IRL. OK, one of the most recent atlas jrpgs i think the royal the reissue persona 5 the royal is probably the most recent but suffice to say fifth in the persona series very popular game part of the pop culture heavily memed anybody with a remote interest in it played it right anybody that likes final fantasy tended to play it yeah big game they recently released persona 5 strikers which is a collaboration with omega force the people that make dice warriors so, it is a Dynasty Warriors Persona game. And it is. Which is tr- like a run around hack and slash type of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a you versus many more cathartic beat em up. Not very okay. skill intensive, but right. it is a true sequel to specifically Persona 5, not the reissued game, the enhanced game, The Royal. All of this is very confusing. What you need yes. to know. Yes, the fuck it is. <laughs> what you need to know is it is a sequel. It is a Dynasty Warriors game okay. to a yes. very popular JRPG from right. a couple years ago, right? Yeah. So the Strikers was very fun. It was kind of a thin, like it, it got in and it got out and it did what it needed to do. Yeah. Just a handful of levels. The levels themselves were structured more like a JRPG dungeon than the typical wide open battlefields of your typical uh dynasty Dynasty warriors Warriors type type games yep uh the story was it was within the vein of persona right it 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 delivered what you would expect but it also kind of kept it a little lighter right it wasn't necessarily all gloom and doom uh got great character interactions all that kind of stuff De- well integrated, the kind of the flavor of persona into Dynasty Warriors. So the, the gimmick of persona, the demon collecting of the series is you have personas, hence the name. Masks, personalities you wear to protect yourself from the outside world. And these masks uh, okay. happen to be the forms of demons and mythological creatures. Got right? it. So uh, your main character can have many masks which are the persona you collect. They have different abilities, which fold into a common reoccurring trope in the Shin Megami Tensei series and why I like it so much of the turn press system. So I just said earlier that I like games that can let me get into the flow state. Yeah. I really like JR. Go ahead. So the turn and press system. Turn press. Turn press. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Yeah, so... What this system is, it's a common uh, system in many uh, Shin Megami Tensei games. If you hit an enemy with its weakness. So say, uh, let's take, uh, I don't know what Thor's weakness necessarily is. Everybody knows who Thor is and they know he's the god of lightning, right? Yeah, let's just say (laughs) Thor is weak to wind in this game, right? Uh, Okay. If you fight a Thor and hit him with wind, he'll be knocked down and you get another turn. Oh. If you knock down every enemy, typically in in Persona in particular and in some other games, you get a bigger reward. Okay. So, once you've mastered through a knowledge of in-game mechanics for your team and in-game mechanics of the other team, you can optimize your play such that enemies stop taking turns. And you just you just you just trounce them. You just slap them. Yeah, (laughs) that's incredible. Yeah, that.
0: So, do you think that that like so one of the things that I have a problem with JRPGs with is that it doesn't. I have a hard time feeling like it fulfills a particular power fantasy. And do you think that that
1: kind of thing might, like, make it easier? Really. Let me so first of all, let me explain why I like the turn press system. OK, OK. Why why it gives flow and address the power fantasy, because yeah. I think JRPGs are one of the best power fantasy simulators on Earth, because you can just grind to level 99 or its equivalent and just shit stomp the game. OK, right? so I think that they're great power fantasies. Now, the problem is, I think JRPGs are boring for a lot of people because They don't require you to take a lot of thought. Right. So you get a lot of complaints. I know Donkey complained about this in Dragon Quest XI, right? Perfectly understandable. Like the game can feel like you either need to grind or you don't need to grind at all. And it's kind of just absent-minded turn-based combat. What I tend to do with these games is to optimize my play so that I am constantly just a little bit under leveled so that I constantly have to be fighting at maximum capacity to beat my opponents. I may be three levels lower than this Okuninushi, which is usually a Psy type that's weak to nuclear. But I know he's weak to nuclear and I know he's in this area so I can exploit this weakness and keep going on. Right. Right. Got it. The power fantasy of this system in comparison to something like Xenoblade. Which I also played this week and I'm going to talk about it in a second here, which does not give flow it does not spark joy <laughs> uh, is you get the power fantasy side grade of being in this flow state similar to Devil May Cry of once you've reached a certain level of mastery you're trivializing not only through numbers but through game mechanics the interaction with the enemies it's it, you're literally removing them from the equation you've outthought them right, right? so it depends really on your tolerance. Some Shin Megami Tensei games are really hard and they expect you to use the turn press system and yeah. everything about it. Like Nocturne Shin Megami Tensei 3 is known to be brutally difficult. If you start the game on hard, you can be killed by the first enemy oh, very wow. easily. What? Yeah. So um And and is it is like
0: technically is it, are these technically supposed to be like permadeath games? Where no, like you're no, dead, you're dead. I wouldn't say no? they're permadeath. Okay. Alright. No.
1: Uh you can think of them you can think of them kind of similarly to Pokemon in a way. Okay. I, I think you it's, faint. it's Yeah, it's you faint, you go back to save points. Maybe it's more apt to say it's like a Final Fantasy or a Dragon Quest, but um yeah, I think it's more apt to say it's like a Final Fantasy or a Dragon Quest where you you will get game overs and you will go back to save points, but it it's not quite the same. So Okay. Got it. Um anyway, Strikers was really fun uh they integrated the turn press system in a Into way that was actual... kind of interesting. interesting you didn't take more turns because it's a real-time game right that you could trigger all out attacks which is this big bombastic turn press mechanic where oh, if you knock neat. down every if you knock down every enemy in persona five your whole party can kind of come together and beat the absolute living shit out of all the enemies on the screen <laughs> you get this flashy end card that's like super anime So they integrate these, they integrate the elemental resistances and all this kind of stuff. You can summon personas with big abilities. Very fun game. Gave me like I I was in the in the mood. I was I was flowing for a lot of the time I was playing. It It starts to wear thin after a little bit because there's it's a Dynasty Warriors game. It's not like masterful action combat. It's just kind of mindless hack and slash but it's fun listen dude yeah nothing nothing is devil may cry five yeah i uh for me it's it's platinum games that are my sweet spot but it's 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 not fair to compare it because it's not what it's going for but yeah by the time you get to the end of the game you're like okay i'm just kind of gonna use my (laughs) number one persona and just yeah just this one ability and just kill everything it's like yeah eh.
0: i mean I feel like that's that's like the inevitable conclusion of most of those types of games is just is. like
1: you are supposed to W key, you know what I mean, yeah, at some point and just not stop. It's that it's also a JRPG problem too, of ultimately if you're in a numbers based system, if the game doesn't presuppose that you're gonna maximize those numbers, you're trivializing the mechanics. Right. right. So yeah. speaking of maximizing numbers and trivializing mechanics, uh Xenoblade. oh god <laughs> so moving on from strikers which was well, fun so yeah well real quick let me let me yeah. cap off
0: strikers by saying i'm still real fucking interested in playing persona 5 because yeah. the art just does it for me right i see it and i'm oh, like yeah. mm, yes right like even even stuff like i am a huge fucking ui guy right i am oh, a it huge ui yeah. guy and the the tear comic book page things yeah. that show the buttons on the screen
1: it's Mm. it has one of the crispest uis ever made in a jrpg it It looks it's it's gorgeous yeah looks so good it feels good too because it's like everything is mapped to like a certain button so like again while you're in the flow state it's like okay my gun is on r1 or whatever my persona is triangle just regular attacking is x so it's not all menu navigation in the traditional way it's like very tactile so yeah it's it's pleasing in that way too but yeah uh no spoilers but i think you and i'll be having a more structured conversation about shin megami tensei okay pretty soon because i think you would really like it
0: all right all right well that's exciting yeah i'm excited to i'm excited to play persona 5 eventually and um you know like i i told you about it a couple weeks ago when i saw uh scale up on youtube talk about it um i was just like man persona five strikers looks fucking cool do i need to play do i need to play persona five and you're like "Mm, yes yeah (laughs) so but i think uh, you'll really like
1: it yeah i'm looking forward to it but my week has been kind of the tale of two cities it was the best of times and it was the worst of times and that might be a little harsh on xenoblade (laughs) but i gotta i gotta contrast these two so i've also been playing another jrpg uh xenoblade chronicles definitive edition for the switch uh, it's the latest in the Xeno series of RPGs. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, right now by Monolith Soft. So this is Xeno Gears, Xeno Saga, and now Xeno Blade. So there's Xeno Blade 1, X for the Wii U, which nobody played. That was kind of like an MMO. It's pretty fun. And, Bl- and Chronicles 2, which uh, came out on the Switch. And now there's one remastered, the Definitive Edition. That's what I'm playing. Xenoblade games are differentiated from other games in the market of they are real time for the most part. So like like Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah, like Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Persona 5, it is a menu based game, right? It's a very recent J- RPG. It's a menu based game. OK, in Xenoblade, the left stick moves your character around. And that's important. Where you are on the battlefield is important. Oh, Your character will auto attack at certain intervals and you have this palette of different abilities. I think it's like nine that uh, you can use at certain times. They have cooldowns that will give different effects. Sounds and like a part- fucking nightmare. Uh, It's OK. It the does problem, work. It, it works well. It works at okay. times. All right. So this is the problem, right? I, I have very rarely entered flow in Xenoblade and let me tell yeah. you why. So right. I want to like this game way more than I do, which is my same opinion that I had on Xenoblade Chronicles fucking 2. Hate that feeling. So this game is trying really fucking hard. Yeah. It has tons of cutscenes. Uh it's trying really hard with it has one of the coolest settings for a uh, JRPG ever conceived. You're it's the entire world is two giants that like killed each other eons ago one is mechanical and one is living That's and the creatures sick. that now the creatures that now live on them are <laughs> in a perpetual cycle of war right ah. and they're they're linked by a sword that the me, the metal one rammed into dude. the living one yeah that is so, fucking sick i want to like this game there's dude there's hundreds of side oh quests Oh my goodness. You can you can talk most of them are fetch quests and stuff but you can talk to like every NPC. There's like this affinity chart thing. There's tons of collectibles. It's it tries really fucking hard. <laughs> but the combat is just not oh that fun, no, man. You're it's killing me though. You do not enter flow because in Persona, the yeah. turn press system. If you are extremely over-leveled, You will delete enemies and there will be no interaction. And that's Mm -hmm. not there's not much you can do about that. But you can have a similar experience when you're at the same level of mastery where I am the same level or weaker. But I know this thing's weakness and I can plot a game plan with my four people that will result in the maximizing of my turn. Right. That I can act seven times for maybe three people, two times and one person once. Right. I can act seven times before the enemy can act once. Right. And that is flow. It is very pleasing. Yeah. Because of the way Xenoblade works, you have the same problem where if you're overpowered, you just kind of delete things. But when you are the same level, because it is a real time game and it's cooldown based, you don't have that kind of mastery. There's like a glitch where you can topple enemies, which is like stun them. It's not even a glitch. But it's I don't know if it's intended design. You can topple enemies and stun lock them, which is like the most. It's kind of the optimal way to play is to just stun lock enemies. Yeah, because everything's cooldown based. You can't speed through things even if you want to. It's just kind of. Huh? Uh, huh, Pantomiming my guy swinging his sword, right? And just waiting for the cooldown.
0: Well, it's the thing that it's the thing that makes it hard for me to get into GCD
1: MMOs. Right. Yeah. that just makes it feel like I'm just going. Ha. Ha. Yeah. Ha. So it's it's kind of a similar feeling here. And then throughout the story, because I've played this game on the Wii and back in the day, I just wanted yeah. to do it again. You fight so many enemies that just disregard the core rules of the game. Oh, no. It's like this thing of, OK, the way to play. Z- excuse me. The way to play Xenoblade is to topple lock enemies, or to use this type of setup, right? Like, uh, go into chain attacks, do uh, daze spam, uh, have Melia just D.O.T. them to death, and then you'll fight a boss, and it's like, this one you can't get behind, so Shulk can't use really any of his damaging abilities. You can only fight him from the front. This enemy can't be toppled. This enemy, whatever. And it's just this thing of like, (laughs) Okay, All the well time now, that you've invested in learning this game yeah. doesn't matter, and it even in that case when it does work. Unlike with the press turn system, right? Like topple locking an enemy, for example. Um, a lot of enemies in this game, super bosses. One thing that another thing is really cool about this game—they have tons of enemies just out in the world. You can your level ten little idiot running around in the first massive area, yeah. right? And there's a level 100. And By the way, you can be level 99. There's a level 115 dude walking around right next <laughs> to you, right? Yeah. You can go fight that level 115 dude at level 99 and you'd have to be at the top of your game, right? So right. it makes these super bosses that are like really fun to fight and you have to know what you're doing. Right. But then like you'll get to a boss in the story and you'll topple lock them and you're not over leveled. So it still takes a long time, but he just kind of lays on the ground while you just kind of absent mindedly beat him to death. And it's like yeah
0: gameplay yeah Mm. you know riveting yeah Yeah. the 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 concept like the thing though of like you mentioned them not really playing by the rules of the games this is something that you and I really kind of get in get into deeply on fighting game characters a lot where it's like it's not that fighting a character that doesn't play by the rules that the rest of the roster plays by is you know like unfun or unvaluable to play it's just that it's annoying whenever you have to go in and say, I've got to learn how to do this specific thing for this one instance.
1: Yeah. You know, It's. I mean, it's, it's the thing of like. Guess, like a guest character in a fighting game or even like um, when you, when you play an action game and you have the modes that are like, Oh, here's a great example, right? Uh, Resident evil. I've shown you this has that mode where all the enemies are invisible, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a fun extra mode, right? But if that was part of the game. Yeah, like you just went to a like, room. Yeah, like what? Like this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah, why would you do this? Like it's it's not that it's not doable, right? But you, you've completely changed the method of the game or like guest characters. Like a lot of people really dislike 2D characters and Tekken and things like that. It's just like, okay, well, like why do I... Why do I need to learn the specifics of how to deal with a fireball yeah. in Tekken? Right. And like Akuma, Akuma's not that bad, really. Yeah. Like he's a good character, but like you can sidestep his stuff. But it's just that thing of why? I, it's not, yeah. This is not why I came to Tekken. And it's even this more is- egregious in a, in a
0: game like Xenoblade, I think, because there's so much time investment and there's so much like You know conditioning and nurturing that you're doing to both your own brain and your character um and then you get to this point where it's like you know you've done the rocky montage to get to the point of fighting this boss and the only thing that you can do is tie him up against the ropes all those punches you learned they won't damage him
1: you know yeah well it's it's the thing too of like A lot of the characters are really imbalanced and some abilities without going into like, there's really cool shit in this game. Uh, There's like, for example, it takes advantage of its real time stuff really, really well. One of the gimmicks of the game is you can see the future. So sometimes you'll get visions of things that are about to happen. And your sword has special abilities that can interact with that in ways to make it not happen. So like, hey, in 12 seconds, you shulk the main character are going to get hit with this thing that's going to kill you. So better charge up your special meter and throw out a shield so you can avoid it. So there's cool that stuff like that. That is dope as shit. It's cool. Until you get Monado armor, which is just better than everything else in the game. So why would you ever use uh, anything else? Yeah. Because it, you just take 75% or 80% less damage period across your whole team and you can keep it up permanently. Like, yeah, right. Okay. Well, yeah, sure. But right. Yeah, this is this is
0: like sort of, you know, it's interesting that you phrase that as the tale of two cities, because that's truly what it is. Right. You you know, it's 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 interesting to just hear about persona and persona strikers and the turn press system and how that really goes a really long way to. And I see what you mean now. Right. It goes a really long way into sort of um, giving you that flow state. You know what I mean? Where it's you can be high performance and high efficiency um you know uh and get into that mode where you're just feeling it Mm -hmm. um and that really makes (laughs) (laughs) unintentional pun. i'll show you later oh god sorry about it (laughs) okay there's gonna be some kind of crazy soundtrack where there's the the sound clip is feeling it or (laughs) something you're not that that. far off all right sweet uh but um but yeah so uh i'm feeling it when i'm feeling it in flow I love yeah. the way that it feels in flow. So, yeah, I see what you mean. I felt the same way. I, I feel the same way about um, uh, uh, Destiny too. about like yeah. the flow state, you know, where you get in there. There are those moments where all of your abilities will be synergizing and you're doing all the things and it feels cool. And then eh, boss stop. And now yeah. you're dead. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's that abrupt moment of you can do all
1: that stuff. With all of these guys. Yeah. (laughs) But you can't do it with this one. You know? Yeah. It's it's the thing of like so I still I really enjoy the Xenoblade series. They're not something I would recommend to you. I think you would probably look at me after the first 10 hours and be like, fuck this shit. I would (laughs) I would desperately want you to just
0: go and super cut all the dope shit for
1: me. I could probably do that honestly right. but um yeah i feel like the first time you would fight a boss and like it's charging up a see the future thing that's yeah. going to kill your whole team and you can't charge up your Monado in time and you just wipe and you oh. have to start over again i feel like you're going to be like yeah i don't like this game and i honestly wouldn't even be able to blame <laughs> <Yeah>. you so <laughs> well at the
0: very least i'm real fucking stoked for whatever you got cooking in that noggin
1: of the Shin Megami Tensei I've got I've got ideas I think you're gonna like it gameplay wise but I think you're going to love it thematically be not afraid yeah be not afraid be not
0: afraid (laughs) yeah well uh this has been a great mini sub, Scott yeah it's fun uh, talking about this stuff I've really enjoyed learning about all the reasons that I'm gonna hate Xenoblade (laughs) and um I really hope that I've got some some more moments from Exodus to share um, sometime down the future because I was really excited about that big bat and he still is flying around in my nightmare somewhere. <laughs> no, man. Uh, but don't forget, you can check us out at all the socials on Twitter and Instagram at The Many Folds as well as www.themanyfolds.com. This podcast and all of the rest of our podcasts are available wherever you get your podcasts in addition to themanyfolds.com. We're talking Spotify. We're talking Apple. We're talking TuneIn. We've had a couple downloads from Romania. That's pretty cool. We're talking, where else are we at? Google? Uh, Iran? Amazon. Oh, we got some downloads from Iran too. That was pretty sweet. Hello to Iran. Um, That was so fucking cringy. Oh. It's all right. You are Um, cringy. Nice. Fucking living embodiment of cringe. Uh, But yeah, don't forget to check us out. Thanks for coming and stopping by the mini-sode. There will be a new shill out next week. And if you missed Star Trek, make sure you go back and listen to those. I almost said watch. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time. Yeah, I hope you're all really feeling it out there. I'm feeling it. Feeling it. See you, Scott. See you.
1: King of the Shill.